Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Santa tells him, you're a human, and you have a father in New York City, and you need to go find him. And so Buddy, the elf, begins that journey. But before he leaves, he sits in a classroom like you saw, and he learns the elf code. And uh, I spoke to him, and he said that we can take them out of order. So we're doing them in a different order than how he learned them. Uh, but those code, that code uh, impacted his life, and that's how he lived his life. So what we're doing is we're examining the elf code trying to learn the lessons that Buddy learned because it will help us find not only our way home, but it will help us cause others to get home, right? So let's look at elf code number two. Now I know they're out of order, so look at your neighbor because some of y'all are type A like me and because they went one, two, three, you want us to do the same order. So look at your neighbor real quick and say, don't be an angry elf, all right? So we're doing them out of order. So code number two is treat every day like Christmas. All y'all didn't get it all together. Treat every day like Christmas. Okay, so we got to learn that. So there are several characters, if you will, players on the stage of the, of the Christmas account. Uh, some are more central than others. Some get more stage time than others. Some of them we know their stories better. But what we recognize or what we need to recognize that regardless of how prominent they are in the account or how uh, in the background they may be in the account, the truth is is that every one of them had to make a choice about how they would view Christmas or how they would treat Christmas. And so some choose not to see Christmas as a very good thing or a very joyous occasion. I can mention at least two. Um, we mentioned them last week just in passing. Herod didn't think Christmas, what we call Christmas, was that great of a deal, right? He tries to kill all the babies because he's trying to get rid of Jesus, right? So, so he didn't think Christmas was great. The innkeeper was so uh, consumed with his daily activities and his booming business that he misses what is taking place at Christmas because he was just too busy or too too distracted. And so he didn't think Christmas was that big a deal either. So certainly we, we don't want you to treat Christmas like they did, right? Uh, so, so we're going to look at three other characters in the account this morning, and each one of them teaches a lesson. But I want you to understand that the truth is, is that each and every one of us are faced with the same choice about how will we treat Christmas. How, if we're, if we're being challenged this morning to treat every day like Christmas, then we need to determine how we are going to treat Jesus because, or Christmas because we have the same choices that they had when Jesus arrived. So whether the admonition to treat Christmas uh, every day like Christmas is a good or bad is simply determined by the choice that you have regarding every day. You have the same choice every day. Every day you have the same choice. And so we're going to look at that to view Christmas different than our normal day. That's how we choose to treat Christmas. It's different than our normal day. I'm challenging you to treat your normal days like we treat Christmas. Okay, so if I ask this question, how do we treat Christmas? If I pass the mic around the room, the truth is, is that we would probably get, however many people are in here, different answers. 
Every one of us would have different traditions, different, uh, different activities, different views about how we treat Christmas. So I thought what we might do is we might look at how uh, these three characters on stage treated Christmas. The shepherds, Mary, and Joseph. How did they treat Christmas? Maybe we can learn by how they viewed or treated Christmas and we can apply that to the rest of our day. So let's see. Uh, but let me caution you. The concepts are simple. The application is difficult. All right, are you ready? Here we go. Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, this is just pre uh, what we would call the Christmas scene, the nativity set that you have at home. This is pre that, just a little bit. All right. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. I cannot imagine what that conversation was like. Uh, Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet, yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Luke chapter 2. Beginning in verse 13 through 15, then down to verse 19. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his, on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them, in her heart. So how did these individuals treat Christmas? If, if we can grasp how they treated Christmas, then maybe we can, if we're going to learn code number two, maybe we can treat every day like Christmas. All right, here we go. This is going to be tough. All right, the first one is this. They focused, they were focused on what mattered. I want you to notice that out of the account of the shepherds, the first thing we notice is that the shepherds teach us that the way to treat Christmas is you've you got to drop everything and go after what matters most. You've got to read the context. The Bible says that they were in the fields watching their sheep at night. The, the most vulnerable moment when the beasts are out trying to steal sheep, they're watching over their flocks and angels arrive and interrupt their nightly routine. And the Bible says that the shepherds said, hey, this, there's, something good, there's something happening here. Let's go find out. In other words, check this out. They walked out of work. They exited right in the middle of their shift. And they went to Bethlehem to look for Jesus. And in essence, what they're doing is they're teaching us that we must leave behind the important to focus on the most important. Uh, they, they interrupt their normal activities to do this, to think about God. You recognize that this was their livelihood. This is what they did for a living. They, they, if they leave their sheep exposed to the, to, the, to the lions or the bears, and we know they were there because Scripture tells us there were, they, they are literally putting their livelihood at risk, and they say, you know what? We need to focus on God. That's what's most important in this moment. 
And so I think what we need to understand is that they interrupt their, their normal activities to think about God. They refuse to allow the demands of their daily life or their daily duties to cause them to miss the miracle. See, given the opportunity, they left behind the ordinary to experience the extraordinary. That's what they did. They invest their time that it could have used to, to make a living to do this, to find life. A lot of us are spending all of our moments, all of our time is consumed about trying to make a living and we miss life. That's literally what the exchange that takes place here is the shepherds say, you know what, we're busy making a living, but we recognize that the angels have come and they've given us this message and so we want to go find life. They focused on what mattered. They, they run from their ritual to relationship. Maybe if we would learn to treat every day like Christmas, we would focus more on the things that deserve our attention. Stay with me. We would focus our attention more on the things that really matter rather than being distracted by things that don't. Maybe the things that seem to press us for our time, they stretch us for, to our limit, they could be placed in proper perspective. And then, lo and behold, this is what the byproduct is, and, and this is not even the subject of my message, but I want you to understand. The byproduct is, is that when you begin to focus on what matters and you lay aside things that don't, suddenly you discover peace on earth. Some of us never experience any peace because we don't focus on what matters and we're consumed by all the things that don't and they keep us running and j jumping through hoops and meeting deadlines and, 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 and all this stuff and we're dashing all over the place. But we never experience peace simply because we're not focused on what matters. I think the challenge is that when this season ends, can we remain focused on what mattered? Right now, everybody's attention is laser focused, seems to be, on the message of Christmas and what Christmas, for most of us, what Christmas is really about. Maybe if once we escape the season of Christmas, if we could remain focused on what really matters, maybe we can bring into capture or captivity every thought and focus on the more important things. My question to you this morning is as we exit Christmas, are you going to allow time, your time and our attention and our heart to be captured by shallow, temporary things, time-eating things that cause us to do this? They cause us, check this out, to miss the moments. Moments that were sent our way on, on purpose by God. And if we're not careful, we're so consumed by all the things that are demanding our time and our attention that we don't remain focused, laser focused enough to capture the moments, the miracles. Um, I wonder how many of us, if we stopped right now and we passed the mic around, would, I, I, I venture to guess that most of us would deny the, the mic. We would just pass it on. If I asked this question, how many of you had, have experienced a miracle this week? A lot of you would pass it on. But the truth is, is that we were so distracted, we missed the moments and the, the miracles. Maybe they weren't like walking on water miracles. Maybe they were just His presence in your life. Maybe, maybe like, like we experienced in our body this week where someone could have had a tragedy, but instead... God sustained them, unbeknownst to them, for four days until they can finally get to the hospital thinking they've just got this small issue, it's a major issue. And not, but it was a miracle. It was just a moment. But we miss it. I want us to vow to treat every day like Christmas and focus on ma what matters when the tinsel is gone and when the playlists go back to the regular playlists. I want us to remain focused on what really matters. 
That's a choice we have to make. That doesn't just happen on its own. You have to make a decision. I am going to spend or invest my time in what really matters. The second lesson is taught to us uh, by Mary. The Bible teaches us that uh, one version says it like this. Mary kept these things in her heart and she pondered them. Uh, another, the, the version I read says that she um, treasures these things. So I think what uh, Mary's teaching us is, is that she's teaching us that they were filled with awe. She didn't take the smallest things for granted. She valued them. She took note of them. She was tuned in. She was aware. And she was, a, she was sensitive. And so I believe another way you can say that is she was filled with awe. Can I submit to you this morning that I'm concerned that many of us has, have lost awe. We've lost the idea of wonder. Can, can, I, can I ask you just some simple questions that are going to lead to some more serious questions? Can I, can I ask you this question? Do you remember what it felt like to walk in on Christmas morning to the presents under the tree when you were little? Do you remember what it was like to get up in the middle of the night and try to wake your parents up and say, it's time, it's time, and they'd send you back to bed and say, no, it's like 2 a.m. and we don't open presents until 7 a.m. And you come back at 4 a.m. and 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. and they finally give in and I let you open presents at 6.30. Do you remember the awe that you felt when you unwrapped the expectation, the anticipation? I just can't wait. I know they got me... Uh, what was it called back then? It was the, um, the no, no, it was before Atari. It was something else that I, I can still remember it. I just don't remember the name of it. It's so old. It wasn't an Atari. It was before Atari was even thought of. It was like right after Commodore 64. What a, right, see, some of y'all don't even know what that is. It, it's like, I, I can remember running to the tree anticipating that I'm going to get this game system. Do you remember? Can I ask you this morning... Do you remember what it feels like to walk into His presence? Can you remember the first time you met Him? Can, can you remember the first time, the first moment that you experienced salvation? In your own mind, can you wander back? I can wander back down uh, on Mississippi Street, I believe it was, in Anadarko, Oklahoma, at seven years old, uh, kneeling at a, at a wood altar. Giving my, I can remember, I can remember, I can remember. Do you remember the, the first time he rescued you? Can you remember the time that he first brought you peace, that he first brought you redemption, that he first gave you joy? That he first ever, first time he ever healed you. Can you rem can you remember? Maybe if we treated every day like Christmas, we would discover the anticipation and the expectation that we lost so long ago. I submit to you that too many of us have become pros at His presence. So we walk into services like what we've been in this morning where the worship team was on point and the Spirit of God was here. I know, I could feel it. And we can be distracted and we can be, we can be unconcerned and we can be uninterested and we can become uninvolved and we can, we can sleep through it. We can discard it and we can dismiss it and we can, we can pick at it and say, well, they missed this note or that note or they didn't sing this song. I wish they And we've lost our all. We've lost our wonder. Maybe we become so maybe maybe we become so filled with all that even the smallest glimpses of him become noticed again. 
Maybe we can become so filled with awe that we begin to ponder His great grace and His great mercy and His great love again and we don't take it for granted. Maybe we become so filled with awe again that we actually treasure moments like this. And maybe we become so good at treating every day like Christmas that we learn to be filled with awe even when we're not at church. And we begin to watch in our lives our daily activities and we begin to see Him show up here and we see Him show up here and just small glimpses of His presence and we become aware that when He's showing up, He's active in our life. And it wasn't even a church service. I was pumping gas and Jesus showed up. I was, I was delivering a package and Jesus showed up. I was serving somebody at the restaurant and Jesus showed up. I was doing tech work and so, all, right in the middle of the message, Jesus shows up. And we become so full of wonder and awe again that we take no moment for granted. And every moment becomes like a treasure. The challenge is this. And stay with me right here. This is important. Here's the challenge. Are we going to treat the same Savior that is approached on Christmas with awe or as familiar on all the other days of the year? I know that we approach the, the, the arrival of Jesus with awe on Christmas, but the challenge is, is that all the 364 days, the rest of the year, are we going to approach Him as familiar or are we going to approach Him like the gift that He is? I want to challenge you this morning that we must treat him like a treasure every day. Every day. Every day. He's the greatest treasure that we have, that we've ever, will have, that we've ever experienced, and we should treat him as such. And then the third lesson this morning, Joseph teaches us, and perhaps this is the greatest challenge because. G- Joseph teaches us this. He, uh, he's engaged to this lady named Mary. He's supposed to marry Mary. Quite contrary. How did, okay, that's a different one. He's supposed to marry Mary, and all of a sudden, Joseph discovers, uh, they have this little side conversation. You do recognize that in the culture that they're in, that engagements last longer. It's like a year long, because he's at home trying to, build his wealth so that he can afford her, right? He's, not her, he's got to go pay her dad, right? We don't, okay, this is, uh, this is, not, a, this is not a relationship series, all right? Because um, some of y'all would be better if you'd find somebody that, never mind, okay. Um, uh, so, um, uh, so, so he's busy about his business, trying to get his wealth right, move out of his mom's basement, quit playing video games all night, and, and grow up a little bit, that's next series. And, uh, and, so, and then all of a sudden she's like, hey, hey, Joseph, <laughs> we need to have a little talk. I'm pregnant. And Joseph knows it's not his. Uh, come on now, y'all, we got this nativity thing all cleaned up. It wasn't that clean, all right? <laughs> the, he gets this news. And in that day, it, the Bible says that he determined in his heart to divorce her. Well, they're not married yet, but in their day, if you were engaged, you were basically, you were committed. Like, so now he's got to divorce her. And technically, because his reputation is on the line, because now uh, the rumors are starting to flow. Don't you know that they didn't have Facebook, but they had, I don't know, they had... 
camels. I don't know what they had. Somehow they had this ability to communicate. And don't you know that in all the back corners, hey, have you seen Mary? She's getting a little, mm-hmm. Yeah, she kind of feeling out a little bit. What's going on with Mary? Something's up. Don't y'all know the rumors like started, pigeons were, they put notes on pigeons and sent them. I don't know what they did. But, but all of a sudden, the rumor, and so because his reputation was at stake, he had the right, check this out, he had the right to divorce her and to shame her. In fact, okay, he had the right to drag her out in the middle of the street and all the men could gather stones and throw rocks at her until she was dead. Okay, y'all are with me right now. I'm glad because y'all ain't going to be with me here in a second because you ain't going to like the lesson because the lesson is this. They treated people better than they deserved. Joseph hears from God and he treats Mary better than the law said she deserved. He teaches us a practice that some of you and, and some of us, let me, let me switch the you to us so I put myself in that bracket too. Some of us are really good at this at Christmas. Because <laughs> I know some of you, I, I know, I know that some of y'all, uh, your Christmas family gatherings are an exercise in grace. Like, like, uh, but more at Christmas than any other time, you learn, you've learned to bite your tongue and to keep your mouth shut and to exercise grace. At Christmas, uh, you have learned that you got to hold your peace. You got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. You just like, about the time you're ready to mouth off, you just stick more ham in and go, mmm, and you're really wanting to go, mmm, but it just sounds like, mmm, right? Uh, you're exercising grace at Christmas, but maybe... Maybe the best way to treat every day like Christmas is to take a pass. To refuse to strike when you're justified. Maybe the best way to treat all the other days like Christmas is to decline to destroy, to refuse to retaliate, to shun the shout, to abstain abstain from the attack. Maybe even though you're right. That's key. Because Joseph would have been right. He would have been justified. He had legal grounds. It's not like anybody would have been mad at him. They would have understood. In fact, I have a sneaking suspicion that that Joseph's homies were in the background rooting him on. Like, I'll go find the biggest rock, Joseph. Just hang on a minute. I can go find. There are other fish in the sea. We we will help you find. I know you're hurt, Joseph, but here's a nice rock. This one's got little sharp edges on it, Joseph. I'll hold it. And and I've been looking at this other girl. She's cuter anyway. And she looks better in her jeans. So so let me, would you, come on, Joseph. Take matters into your own hands. I think they probably were rooting him on. But even when you're right, And even though your rightness is undeniable, and even when your superior morality is above question, even when others are rooting you on, or even when others are dreaming of revenge on, on behalf of you, maybe treating every day like Christmas is that even in the summer when you encounter someone who deserves to be struck down, you walk away instead. Maybe in the spring, when somebody... uh, Put your peace at risk and they sully your reputation or they cause you pain. Rather than striking them, we serve them. You do recognize that because Joseph ended up with Mary, it changed his life. I mean, he wasn't planning on moving to Egypt. Oh, come on now. It's not like it was on his bucket list. 
He wasn't planning on the, the ruler of the land to try to kill him and his family. Come on now. Okay, okay. He didn't, don't think the rumors stopped just after Jesus was born. Don't you know the conversations continued? Well, he doesn't look nothing like you, Joseph. In fact, I'm, I'm beginning to wonder if he doesn't look, because they got to, they, in their natural, they got to ascribe him to somebody. I think he kind of looks like the milkman, Joseph. Uh, there's a guy at the end of the village. I've been wondering about him and Mary. But I saw him talking one time before y'all go. Don't you know the, the rumors continued? But rather than cutting them down, maybe we cut them some slack. Maybe rather than lowering the boom, here comes the boom. That's, a, that's another oldie for some of you, all right? Uh, but maybe rather than lowering the, lowering the boom, even though we're right, instead we lower the heat. And may, maybe rather than believing the worst about them, we trust the best in them. See, the truth is, is that Jesus was very clear that his arrival would not only impact our interaction with God, his arrival would impact our interaction with others. And so, if maybe, maybe in your estimation, the person that you tolerated on Christmas doesn't really deserve grace any time other than Christmas. I've only got an allotment of grace for one family gathering. And after family gathering, I've used it all up. So the other 364 days a year, you might ought to keep your distance because I used it all up on Christmas. Just me? Okay, I was wondering. But what I heard the Lord challenge me this, this week as I was pondering this in my own heart was... Haven't we been given abundant grace? So maybe if we are going to treat Christmas every day like Christmas, then maybe what should take place is that the grace that we have experienced in abundance should abundantly flow out of us so that we can extend grace to their craziness. Because I'm not saying they're not crazy. They are. Right? One out of three people are crazy. Right? And I want you to look next to you because if the person on your left is not crazy and the person on your right is not crazy, Merry Christmas, you're nuts. Alright? I'm not saying they're not crazy. I'm not saying they're not mean. I'm not saying they're not petty. I'm not saying they're not manipulative. I'm not saying that you don't, you should, something inside of you didn't want to just like do stuff. Julie says I got to quit saying punch them in the throat and stab them in the neck and all that stuff because of the day we live in. But, but whatever, whatever you feel like, that, that, that anointing that rises up in you when they, when, when they push your last button, may, maybe, maybe we treat every day like Christmas and we extend our, this great grace, this abundant grace on February 2nd and April 12th and August the 6th and October the 22nd. Just like we do on December the 25th. So, the challenge this morning is if we're going to treat every day like Christmas, then we must learn to focus on what matters. What matters? In your own mind, I, I, listen, I could bring you to the altar, all this stuff, I get it, but, but I, I need you to apply. I need you to think, I need you to single down, focus down on in your life what really matters. Really. 
And if we're going to treat every day like Christmas, then that has to grab and continue to grab and maintain my focus. I think maybe for some of you sitting here, the challenge is this. You need to refocus on Him. Because other things have gotten your attention. My rights, my opinions, my schedule. But what really matters is Him. Some of you are sitting next to people that deserve your focus. Well, there's other people clamoring for my attention. Yeah, but we're going to focus on what matters. And what matters is the person next to me that God has assigned to my life. If we're going to treat every day like Christmas, then the challenge is this. We must focus on what matters, but we also must come back to this place where we're filled with awe so that when we come into a worship service, whether the worship team is on point or not, doesn't really matter because I'm not worshiping the worship team. I get a glimpse of Him and I can't help but throw my hands up in the air and cry and kneel on, get on my knees. I can't help but declare His goodness and His grace. But it doesn't just happen in here. I become so filled with awe. I, be, I treasure every moment. I ponder every occasion so that now when I go through my daily routine, I'm watching for glimpses of Him. Where are you going to show up, Jesus? Is it going to show up at the water cooler? Maybe showing up at the gas station. Oh, I think I, I glimpsed Him at Walmart. And I become so awe-filled that I don't take Him for granted. And His presence is like heaven to me. And then the hardest of the three, if we're going to treat every day like Christmas, then i got to treat people with grace that don't deserve it. Because i got some folks in my life that don't deserve it. So do you. pretty good at Christmas I struggle the rest of the year but if we're going to treat every day like Christmas I've got to extend grace every day Father in Jesus name I pray that we would learn the three lessons because we are faced with the same choices that these individuals and the other actors on stage the stage of Christmas that we read about we're faced with and a lot of us come off like Herod some of us come off like innkeepers but this morning we want to come off a lot more like shepherds and Mary and Joseph Father I pray over this congregation of people I pray that during not just this season I pray that as we exit this season when, when all the tinsel comes down and all the songs change and the hustle and bustle is gone and it's a brand new year and it just seems like it's a routine, it's a ritual, it even feels like it's a rut. I pray that what we would do is we would focus on what matters. We would prioritize. We would take control of our calendar. We would take control of our, our schedule. We would tra- take control of our thoughts and our, our longings and our desires and our appetites and we would focus on what matters most every day and father I pray that you'd help us to become filled with awe again we are in awe of you Jesus the fact that you would leave heaven the fact that you would leave everything that that you had at your disposal the fact that you would leave a pain free environment and instead you would come and you would live with us and suffer and feel pain and feel separation 
and take my sins and take my shame and take my punishment. I'm in awe of you, Jesus. And Father, I pray that what you would allow us to do this season and as we exit this season, when there's not a tree up in the house to remind us of your arrival, when there's not, when there's not nativity sets out in the front yard to remind us of your arrival, I pray that we would still be filled with awe and we would begin to look, look for your arrival in the smallest places of our life. And we would worship. We would not become professionals in your presence. We would be awestruck by you. And Father, I pray that as we go throughout this season, many of us are going to exercise extreme grace over a Christmas meal, a Christmas gathering. People will be in the room that we don't necessarily care for. And we become really good at extending grace to them in that setting and in that environment. But Father, I'm praying that what you would do is that the great grace that you've extended to us would abundantly flow out of us and we would learn to treat people with grace even when they don't deserve it. And even though we're right and even though we would be justified to strike and even though we would be, we would be by some be applauded when we attack, I pray that instead we would treat every day like Christmas and we would extend the great grace that Jesus extended to us to them. Father, I pray that you'd teach us these simple but hard to apply lessons in this season, but I pray that they would carry over into every season so that we treat every day like the treasure that it is from you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.